Greetings and welcome. My name is Mike Bankhead. I am your host. I am a bass player and songwriter from the Jam City, Dayton, Ohio. I have a face that is meant for podcasting. My guest on this episode has a face that is meant for television. If you live in the Dayton area, you might have seen him on television. He is a news anchor. We're not talking to him about his day job, though. We're talking about music. That's right. He's about to release a record. Find out about it on... The You Could Be My Aramis podcast. It is my pleasure to welcome Zach Pitts to the program. Let's get to the conversation. Hey there, Zach. What's going on, dude? A lovely Thursday. Today is Thursday, right? Today is Thursday. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to, to come chat with me. Normally, when we talk, we're at a show and it's loud. Uh, we can now have a conversation that's a little quieter and let a whole bunch of other people also hear it. Yeah, and everybody can just be the fly on the wall now. Yeah. So there's a couple things I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, first, I want to talk about Sound Valley and how you're helping uh, musicians in the greater Dayton area. This is your cue to tell us all what exactly you do there. And there goes my camera. What exactly you do at Sound Valley and how you're helping independent musicians. Yeah, so Sound Valley really has kind of evolved over the last couple of years. It's really just been a matter of trying to figure out what's the need in the community when it comes to people that are creative, musicians, artists, bands, and really trying to give them the tools and the know-how when it comes to marketing. That's something that is just kind of second nature to us um, is the marketing. And a lot of it comes from working in a media background. And when we started this whole venture, it, the whole idea was how do we take what we've learned through professional television production and uh, media and apply that to something we're passionate about, which is the music community. And, um, you know, we are never, you know, stopping when it comes to, you know, trying to expand our knowledge on marketing and digital marketing and trying to understand what that landscape looks like as it applies to a local band or artist and trying to pass those tools along to bands and artists. So that's really where we've been focused um, over the last um, several months is really trying to figure out where we're going in terms of that. But a lot of people obviously know uh, our music festival that we put on each and every year, the Sound Valley Summer Music Festival. And that thing has grown um, what seems like exponentially every single year. And uh, the whole idea of that is, you know, we know that there's no shortage of talent um, in the Miami Valley area when it comes to musicians. And so, uh, again, you leveraging that skill set that we have of marketing and promotions, trying to get all these people around the Dayton area to one central location, that being Yellow Cab Tavern, um, and just saying like, hey, these are some of our favorite bands. These are some some people that you need to be aware of and put on your radar. And so we're trying to expose people to the great talent and trying to give uh, bands and artists um, a stage to to play on. I mean, quite literally, but expose them to a much larger audience. But Zach, I just want to write songs and and make sure that people hear them. Why do I need to care about marketing? So the way I honestly look at it is it's 50-50, right? You can be the greatest songwriter in the world but no one's going to ever hear it if you don't know how to get it in front of someone. Um, a lot of musicians I have found have this mentality of, you know, if I build it, they will come. That's not how it works. Um, if you don't have a system to put that music or that product out in front of someone, 
that's the most expensive hobby that you're ever going to have. And that's the same thing. Like as a, I guess that's what we're trying to do is really show it's a business. They call it a music business for a reason. Um, your songs are your products. Those are your, your hooks that um, attract people into your world. And if you don't have a way to put that in front of somebody and give somebody a reason to care, then again, it is an expensive hobby. Um, and, you know, as I've been putting out my own music, you know, that's something that I've really uh, come to realize is, man, this, this has been one expensive project. But what's the point in putting all this time and money and energy into it if I'm not trying to show it to somebody? Uh, if don't get me wrong, let me let me go ahead and back up. There's nothing wrong with writing music and having something for yourself. That's the greatest thing about music. It can be just for yourself. But if your goal and your intention is to share that music, well, then that's what you've got to do. You have to share that music. And you have to leverage these tools that we have at our disposal to do that. And there's never been a better time to be an independent artist if you know how to run a Facebook ad, if you know how to be a guest on a podcast and talk about yourself to where it's not just about you as the artist, but what does your music as the artist do to benefit the listener? Um, and so it's just to me and, and coming from that media background, um, I just... I understand how that all works. And so I really want to try to share um, just those little tweaks with artists so that they can start, you know, taking their their music business and, and getting some real growth on it. I like the way you say that because you're clearly a professional at media and marketing. And I, I, I agree with you 100%. The way I always say it is the second that we as musicians want someone to give us money for a CD or money to play a show, that makes you a business. That makes you a professional, right? There's been funded, transferred. Name me any business that doesn't advertise. That is... You have to. Any business. Because um, you need customers, right? And so for us, the customers are the people that come to our show, the people that will buy our T-shirts, the people that will buy our CDs, the people that our music moves emotionally. and. When you're an artist, it really hurts sometimes to think about the people listening to your hard-earned art as customers, but in a way, they absolutely are. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, what your music is, is a hook. It is a hook that's bringing somebody into your world. People will connect with a song. They'll hear a song, connect with a song, but what they ultimately are going to monetize and, and purchase is the relationship with you as the artist. That's why we buy a t-shirt at a show. That's why we buy a t-shirt off the wall. That's why we will buy a CD in a streaming world um, because people want to support the artist. And that's what you ultimately are monetizing in any capacity um, is, you know, why do people go the iPhone and Apple route over an Android? because it says something about who they are. And so that's the way I really want bands and artists to start looking at it is people will support you because it says something about who they are by supporting you. And uh, every business needs to advertise. A business doesn't run without leads. And bringing people into your world to just check out your music and get them to come back to that second show or buy a piece of merch or... Uh, support you on Patreon, whatever that is, um, 
you have to remember that it's a relationship. Don't jam something down somebody's throat. Invite them in to become part of the process with you. That is perfectly said. So let's try to get, let's try to establish for our listeners, let's, let's start building a relationship with Zach Pitts. And I'm going to go chronologically. Think back to the, as far as you can remember in your youth, what was the first song you can remember hearing? The first song that I remember hearing, I remember, um, you know, I remember when I realized I liked Green Day a lot. I remember being a little kid and Beavis and Butthead was on and the original where, you know, they would watch music videos in between like the little, you know, series of the episode. And uh, that's the first time I ever heard Basket Case. And I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard before <laughs> in my life. And I don't know if that's my earliest memory, but that's something that always jumps out at me. I, and I'll never forget being at um, I think it was a Kmart. I, I remember hearing that song, seeing it, not knowing who the band was or just, but that melody stuck in my head. And then sometimes I give myself the creeps. And and I remember being at a Kmart many, many years later and picking up a CD and, you know, at Kmart, like where you could like put your, put the, the barcode underneath one of those scanner things and listen to, listen to the album. And I remember that song came on. I just grabbed, picked up a random CD and that came on. And I remember had the, I had this flashback moment where I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is that song. And I, and I remember like thinking like, I like this. This is what I like. Um, but uh, growing up, man, I was kind of, I wouldn't say that pop punk or pop rock was like the first thing I gravitated towards. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up on a lot of pop, you know, it, it, I, my first concert was Backstreet Boys, actually. Wow. <laughs> uh, but no, honestly, I think what uh, and I just I just uh, kind of I was talking about this the other day. The reason I think I ever picked up a guitar in the first place was because I'm the oldest of there's three of us, uh, three brothers. And and uh, I remember when Hanson was a big deal. And I was like, oh, those are three brothers that like are in a band together. I've got two younger brothers. We could do that, too. And needless to say, I was the only one that really like, you know took it somewhere <laughs> and wanted to actually do something with that. But you know, it's, it's little sparks that make you do something. Yeah. You, so you were born in the nineties then no, or, uh, or late eighties. Okay. Close. 89. Uh, yeah. Basket case is Packle Bell's progression. So that just basically shows you, you can take a music idea that's 200 plus years old and make a punk song out of it. It's a good jam. It's one of the best. It, it is a good jam. I, uh, I remember I was a junior when that record came out, I believe. So either so uh, might have been a sophomore. Yeah, anyway, I'm old. That's the uh, that's the point. So you started playing guitar. How long did it take you to start writing songs after you uh, learned how to play guitar? Um, it's hard to really say. I, I mean, just I think I kind of diddled around with it for a little bit like i remember i really started got it, getting serious into it um or getting serious with it probably when i was in fourth grade and uh the first song i learned how to play and i don't even think i played it right i at least tried to do it was uh i was going through a goo goo dolls phase and i really wanted to play uh, the song iris for the talent show and, I, and honestly when i look back i'm like that's not how you play that song whatsoever but like the guitar teacher at the time said like this is this is good enough <laughs> uh and I'd probably say like within like, you know, a year of doing that talent show, I just kind of tried making songs around the same chord progression that I learned trying to play that song. 
and uh, which was typically just like a D A G over and over and over again, and um, trying to bounce some lyrics, you know, off of that chord progression. And uh, you know, I think once I learned the power chord, you know, I was like, oh, I can do anything. This I can. I I am unstoppable. <laughs> I mean, as as many people who you know grew up in that area era probably felt once they discovered it's like oh that's this is all i need this is the same chord progression all i got to do is move it around this neck and voila <laughs> the the foundations of rock and roll right there the the power chord so we're gonna we're gonna bring it a little bit more modern and i want to talk about your songwriting process today so let's say that you were going to sit down and write what's the first tool that you reach for uh, definitely a guitar, and I'm excited to talk about this. Nobody's ever asked me these questions before, so this you're is kidding. Fun. No, this is like this is the kind of stuff that musicians. I mean, you know this. We talk about this kind of stuff amongst ourselves. Usually, but... it's me asking the question. Oh, okay. So this, so it's weird for me, and I've always, it, it, whenever, I don't know. It's, it's, but I, so I appreciate it. Um, let me think about it for a moment. Um, you know, I definitely pick up a guitar and, um, just kind of noodle around for a little bit, and uh, a lot of times melodies are what come to me first. Um, you know, I find myself a lot in the car humming or um, saying random sentences that you know, don't make any sense whatsoever. But the more I keep like saying those random sentences and different melodies, something kind of pokes out. I'm like, okay, there's something there. Um, and I don't know how you are, but you know, there's some songs where, They've come together in an afternoon where I've come home from work. I sat down, picked up a guitar, and literally a song wrote itself in less than an hour. Whereas there's been other songs where I've worked on it for, you know, six, seven months. Um, and both are on, you know, this latest album. Um, you know, a song like Silver War, which is on Midwest Romance, that album, like that song wrote itself in less than an hour. Whereas Let Go, that was over the course of six, seven months. Um, and you know, you just, you kind of have the feeling, okay, this is it. Nothing else needs to be changed. Or you kind of have that feeling where you agonize over a song like, Oh, I don't like the way that this lyric or this line flows into this. This could be better. Um, you know, everything's different. It always, it always flows differently. I went through a phase where, uh, I got a loop pedal and I was obsessed with that and a chord progression just would loop over and over and over again. And coming back from that, um, foundation of pop music where a lot of pop music is built on the same chord progression built you know yep and you know you just kind of add layers or take away layers but a song like caught in the moment that song was written that way clarity was written in the same way um forever and more again just a loop played over and over and saying okay so let's come up with a let's come up with a chorus and just humming to the same chord progression and using that same chord progression to come up with the verse. Um, so it, honestly, the process is different for me every single time. It's just, wh who am I listening to at the time? What kind of inspiration uh, strikes at this point? You know, it's, it's always different. Just have fun with it. So it sounds like you're a music first songwriter, not so much a, uh, a lyrics first songwriter. Um... I'm definitely more melody driven. I'll tell you that much. I'm more melody driven. Like I like earworms. I like something that gets caught in your head. But then I think that the lyrics, like to me, I want, I don't, 
I want something that like means something to me. And like, I don't, I don't, I hate throwaway lines. Um, and I, I beat myself up if I have a throwaway line, I'll sit there and say like, Oh, this, I, I hate the, I hate the the bridge. I hate the bridge because it just sounds like some cliche lines that I threw in there. Um, so I'll agonize over something until it's like, I have something. I'm like, okay, I'm saying something here and, and it feels genuine. It feels real. It feels like it's not just some cliche lines that would fit. Well, that's quality control is what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? I try to. You touched on this a little bit, but I, I want to go super explicit on it. How do you know when the song is done? I don't think a song's ever done. Oh, I like that answer. Why not? Um, because, I mean, when I work, when we're working on Midwest Romance, just in the recording process, something can always be better. I mean, that's, that's life, though you as a human being can always be better. And that's, that's the goal, right? Is to like never stop working on yourself, but knowing you're never going to actually be finished. Um, because if you're not growing, you're dying. And um, I think that what you have to be able to do though, with a song is have fun with the process, put when you're working on it, put everything that you have into it and putting a deadline on yourself. Um, and that's eventually what I had to do with this album was I had to say like, this is the last day we're working on it. You're not touching it anymore because we can't, because I've spent way too much damn money, <laughs> spent too much time and I'm just ready for people to hear these songs. Um, so I don't think a song's ever really done because, you know, think about when you've played a song over and over and over again, like when you, then you go play it live, how many different ways do you sometimes sing it? You know, like, bands and artists that have been playing the same song for decades play it differently live just to keep it fresh, keep it new. Um, so I, I think at some point you just have to, when you're in the studio, give yourself a deadline and say, okay, I, I am not going to redo this verse for the 18th time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that feeling. When, all right, so now let's lift, let's shift into Midwest romance discussion. I want to know when you decided that you needed to make an album. Uh, it's honestly just been something I've always wanted to do. And for some reason or another, it just took way longer than ever than I ever thought it would. Um, there was a point when I was playing some music with some some guys. I was in a band um, several years ago called Flee the Valley, and it was you know with some really good friends of mine. And some of the songs actually uh, made their way onto Midwest Romance. Um, but I, I, I it, was, it was you know kind of like what you were saying. Like, when do you know a song's done? Back then, nothing could get done because I had this. Nothing was. I tried to make everything perfect. And perfection doesn't exist. So that album never came to fruition. And I also tried doing it myself. I built a little project studio in my house. And don't ever try to make your first album by yourself. <laughs> With your own, you know, unless you are, you know, prolific when it comes to recording software. And the thing is, it's like when you work on it by yourself, like nothing will ever get done because you can sit there and you can tweak a vocal over and over and over again. You can tweak a guitar over and over again. Um, that's the benefit of having yourself a producer in the studio because then they're a second person to say like, no, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Done. 
So um, let's talk about that guy. Uh, you you went and hired trusted professional engineer and producer Patrick Himes, who has engineered all of my work except for one song so far that I've put out. He's worked with scores of people in our city and scores of people in, in Nashville back when he was down there. He has a, his reputation for quality. Uh, right, it, it precedes him wherever he goes. What was your experience like headed down to real love and uh, getting to work with him? It was really good. Um, I think that I would say maybe halfway through the pro, maybe a little bit before the halfway point, but we started really figuring each other out and, and the best way to get the best product out. Um, and that's something that he is incredibly talented at is pulling the best out of you. Um, when it comes to vocals, you know, I've never thought I was, I've always been very self-conscious about it, but he has a way of coaching you through it where you're like, Oh my gosh, that that's me. Thank you for pulling that out of me. Um, and he's great at coaching you through vocal takes. He's great at, um, just kind of having an idea of where some extra instrumentation could go. Like, you know, I'm really good at uh, a structure. I'm really good at building a foundation and, and, and writing the song it's in, in its entirety, but he's so good at flavor and ear candy. And he's so good at giving the song a new life. Uh, a lot of the sounds that we put on this album was, kind of a 80s inspired Juno synth thing. You know, we use that tool a lot. And I, a lot of that was him. Like I knew that I, I wanted some stuff like that and I knew I wanted some real sense, but he knew the tools to use and how to get them to make the sound that was going to actually take this thing to the next level and make it sing and make it soar, make it fly. I like that particular toy of his. I have no idea how to use it. Like it's it's just a it's an inscrutable box of goodies to me that makes noises that like you've heard them all, mm-hmm. lots of times in movies or uh, sound effects. You've heard them all in music and in movies, but you're like, oh, that this is the thing that makes that weird warble. Okay, <laughs> yeah, he definitely knows how to pull all the sounds out of it. That's for sure. How long did it take you uh, to to make the record? We started working on it uh, the very beginning of 2019, and here we are. It's the end of 2022, and I think we wrapped up uh, probably September, I think. Wow. was the last time so we were in the studio. Almost four years. Like, just shy of four years. Yeah, it was a minute. That uh, is like I was going to say that's the gestation period of an elephant, but that's even longer than the gestation period <laughs> of an elephant. And and a lot of that too is because, like I said, I um, I had to really get better about trying to not make everything perfect. And 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 he has such a way of because I I was dead set on getting a lot of things tuned and and really perfect. Um, but the way that it was explained to me was you call it a recording for a reason. You call it a record for a reason because it records a moment in time and you can look back on that and see your growth. And I think that that was what sealed the deal for me was because I think over the last few years, that's something that's been, that's 
become pretty important to me is my personal growth, my personal development, you know, the, the growth that I've had as a human being just, and when he put it to me like that, I'm like, okay, that's cool because rather than writing a book, you know, and capturing that moment in time, I wrote an album captured who I was in a four year span of these songs that I've had over the last few years. And some of them were written during the album, but it captured a moment in time. And I can look back and say, that's where I was when I was in my early thirties. And it's a cool feeling. It's uh, I think it might be a little generational because I share Patrick's uh, like, I don't believe in tuning vocals either. And I am by no means a singer, but when I record with Patrick, he's just, you know, you just sing it until it's no longer pitchy, right? <laughs> uh, you've, you've had this experience. Nope, that's flat. Do it again. Nope, that's sharp. Do it again. And a lot of modern music is pretty much standard for modern pop music to have the vocals tuned. But yeah, I don't know how, I don't know if there's too many engineers in our town that, that believe as strongly as he does about not doing that. It's a very, it's a very old school approach, but I'm an old school kind of dude, so... I get it. I, uh, it's good that you were brave enough to subject yourself to that. Yeah, I mean, if I'm honest, say, well, I do that every time. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Maybe not. Uh, I'm not sure yet. But I, I'm grateful for that experience because when I listen to it, I can say to myself, like, that is authentically me. And, uh, you know, it, actual work went into it. Yeah, um, you know, there's 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 been times where I've recorded before in little apartment studios, you know, and which aren't really, and then literally, you know, you're you're done with a song in four hours, and and I'm like that, but that doesn't even sound like me when it's all said and done, um, and so I think that's the magic in it is you get who the you get the real version of yourself and it doesn't sound like plastic. Um, you know, everybody, it's all, it's all about preference at the end of the day. And yep. like I said, will I do it that way every single time moving forward? Will I, you know, I don't know. Um, but I'm grateful for this past experience. Are you happy with it now? You know, when, when we make albums, we listen to the song so many times, especially when we're trying to approve mixes, right? That, I mean, you know it backward and forward. Can you listen to it? Like, can you put it in in, a, in your CD player now, objectively, and listen to it and enjoy it? Or do you still hear things that you wish you would have done differently? I am happy with it. I and and I think it's just because I I just I I think that if I would have sat there and tried to redo it over and over and over again, I would have begun to, you know, I would have started hating the songs because you, 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 you gross animosity towards it. You're just like, this is just so, Argh. and, and I don't, you don't want to have that relationship with your music. No, you, you don't have that relationship about anything that you're passionate about. Um, you know, I, I am a person who tries to be, you know, perfectionism is, 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 you know, is evil <laughs> you know that's something that i struggle with me too and, uh, you were you were talking to another perfectionist so i get it yeah um so no i'm i'm, I'm happy with the way it all turned out and um and and again like it's 
I was trying to go for a modern pop sound, but not using amp sends, not tuning the vocals like super hard, not or at all, really. Um, it's all real stuff. And like, you know, the synths, they're real synths. They're not plugins. Yep. And um, and I, I listen to other stuff and it sounds thin and you can hear the life and the recording. And I think that's cool. And, you know, I, I would have never really understood the impact that that has having not gone through the process because, you know, the first EP I, or, you know, an EP I made maybe seven years ago or so, um, was all in my house, like with amp sims and, you know, a little USB mic and like thought like, okay, this is how you make an album. (laughs) It's totally not. I mean, Uh, it is how some people make albums. It it is. And you know what? You can hear the difference. You You can can hear the quality. And, um, you know, but nothing like it's art is art. Creativity is creativity. Do whatever you want to do to express yourself. But having gone through the experience, um, you know, it's like I, I, I've learned an efficient way to go about doing things. And I know the right way to go about doing things when you're trying to achieve a certain sound. So I imagine that after almost four years of work, you're just ready to get people, get it into the hands of the general public now. Yeah, uh, you get to a point where you're tired of hearing the songs by yourself. You want to share it with other people. And and again, like going back to the original point, you know, the original conversation, like when it comes to getting your music out in front of people, that's the part that I'm good at. That's the part that I know how to do effectively, um, not just music, but just things in general. Like I just I I understand that. Um, and a lot of it, too, if I'm honest, is like. A big part of why I wanted to release my own music, um, obviously it was something for myself, but I felt like it was hard for me to try to help other bands and artists without doing it for myself. You know, I could say all day long, like, hey, this is how you run an ad. This is how you make your uh, creative. This is how you actually target people. Here's how you do X, Y, and Z. Like, but there's a little voice in my head that says, Zach, who are you to tell other people to do that? If people are going to say like, yeah, but why aren't you doing it for yourself? Fair question. Yeah. You know, and, and I understand that, but I also, you know, so it was, it was two part. Like one, I always wanted to put together an album for myself. It's something that I've always wanted to do. Um, and also it was like, okay, well, I need to be able to have this asset to do it for myself so I can show people how to replicate it. Yeah. So that was a big part of it, too. So we're having this conversation on Thursday, December 1st. I am scheduling this podcast to release on Wednesday, next week, Wednesday, uh, December 7th. So let's pretend it's Wednesday. Hey, listeners, uh, do you have anything going on on Saturday? If you, you know, I, I have something I would like you to do on Saturday, and Zach has something he would like you to do on Saturday. What should we what did what should we send all the listeners to do on Saturday, Zach? I think you need to come and see Midwest Romance performed live in its entirety at Yellow Cab Tavern with the doors opening at seven o'clock. And I'm super excited about it. Um I have some guest vocalists going to be joining me, Amber Hargett and also Sam King, who each did uh some vocals on a couple of the songs uh that turned out incredible 
And I also have my buddy Dakota Tapman from Dak Daniels and the Holy Smokes. He's going to be performing as well. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. I haven't performed live in several years, and uh, so hoping it goes well. How are rehearsals going? Uh, well, as a matter of fact, our first rehearsal is tomorrow. <laughs> but like, so and that's the other thing that that's been crazy too. It's like you know, I basically mapped everything out, like wrote all the the music out for everybody for the band that's going to be playing and uh, everybody's kind of learning their own parts on their own time. And then we're coming together and whoosh, making it all happen. And we have a couple of rehearsals to, uh, to get through. And I think it's all going to be great. I'm pretty excited about it. So if I want to buy a ticket in advance, that means I pay less than I would at the door on Saturday. So if I buy a ticket today or tomorrow or Friday, how much is it going to cost me to get in to see your show? So if you go to soundvalleydayton.com, that's going to be the best place to get your ticket. There's three tickets. You have a single ticket, which is $12, but if you bring people with you, you get in actually even cheaper. So a single ticket's $12, a couple's ticket's $20, and a group ticket, which is four entries, uh, is $40. So what you're essentially doing is getting people in for free because on the day of the show, if you were to pay at the, the door, it's $15 a person. So you know, my whole thing is too is um, I want to be able to uh, have people get their tickets early um, so you can save some money and, um, yeah, you also have the opportunity on the website as you're going through the checkout process to get, uh, a, what I call the jumpstart bundle, which has the album and some other, uh, little merch items for a, like a really discounted price, um, which is like nine bucks or something like that. Uh, whereas if you were to get that at the show, it's going to be a little bit more expensive. So, um, you know, it's just kind of my way of having people get their tickets early and in my way of saying thank you to getting your tickets early by trying to give uh offer those those items and the ticket itself at a kind of discounted rate so it's a win-win for everybody it, it helps me out lets me know that you're coming and uh helps me offset some of the costs for the marketing and getting flyers and facebook traffic and um and even just you know hiring uh the sound you know yeah. all those different things so it's a win-win for everyone. Everybody, you should give Zach your money by buying a ticket in advance for the show this Saturday over at Yellow Cap. Yeah, well, just come on out and, and have some fun. And, and um, I hope you like the album. Uh, like I said, it's been a long time since I've played live. And um, this is one of those moments that I've been dreaming about for several years now. And, and uh, you know, will everything be absolutely perfect? Probably not. Is the album absolutely perfect? Absolutely not. But am I going to leave it all on the stage and have fun and and um, make this a, a memory that lasts a lifetime? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the experience. So uh, thanks, Zach, for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me. Other than uh, SoundValleyDayton.com, where can I send people to find you on the Internet? ZachPitts.com. Z-A-C-P-I-T-T-S.com. And um, follow me on, on Facebook. And, um, you know, I... I'm really trying to um, focus on just growing, growing my audience online. And, um, you know, one thing I would encourage somebody to do is you can go to zachpitts.com slash free music and you can get the album for free, but it's a, a backstage pass is what I call it, where you can listen to the whole song, uh, the whole album rather, but actually watch videos that explain what the songs are about and kind of get a behind the scenes take on everything and you know that's something that's important to me is 
And I want them to be catchy songs that you can hum along and sing along to. But um, I want you to know that, you know, these songs are inspired by, uh, you know, real life occurrences. So I, I like to be able to take somebody behind the curtain a little bit. So if you go to zachpitts.com slash free music, you can get that. And um, or if you want to, uh, of course, order the, the Jumpstart bundle for free, um, you can order that online as well. It's just I just ask people to pay for the uh, the shipping and handling, but I'll send you the, the merch bundle that comes with the album and some little merch items as well. It's free if you just pay the, the shipping and handling. Outstanding. So again, thank you for your time, and I'm looking forward to seeing your show this coming Saturday, because we're still pretending it's Wednesday, even though it's the previous Thursday, this coming Saturday at the Yellow Cap. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate what you're doing and, uh, you know, doing your part to uh, grow the music community and just uh, shine a light on the cool things that are happening in our, happening in our city. And um, can't wait to see what else uh, you come out with. Thanks. Once again, I am grateful to Zach Pitts for taking the time to talk to me on this podcast. I am grateful to you, dear listener, for also spending time with me. If you live in the Dayton area, Saturday night is going to be a good time. Why not come out and see some high energy rock and roll? So instead of just taking you out with my exit music today, I figured let's give the people a teaser of Zach's new album here on... The You Could Be My Aramis podcast. I asked Zach. He agreed. So what you're going to hear next is Clarity, which is track seven on Midwest Romance. Enjoy. Sides littered in lines. 
Crazy. 